Hello Hills Church. I'm so excited to be a part of your service today and thank you Pastor Jordan for the opportunity to come and share and I really feel like the Lord is going to speak to us over these next few minutes together so I just pray that you would have your heart and your, your mind open to what it is that he wants to say to us and I really feel like he wants to challenge and inspire our faith here today. And so my name is Mike Burrows and I'm on team at Open Doors. And Open Doors helps people follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost. And so it's in the toughest places on earth for the gospel that we're there standing with and supporting and strengthening and encouraging believers under persecution. And so today I've, I've got a message and I really feel like what I'm doing is, is opening a window on our wider church family because we've got an amazing uh, church family, global church family out there, brothers and sisters in Christ who are really progressing and stretching and um, pushing forward the kingdom of God in some of the most difficult places in the world for the gospel. And there are believers right now who are imprisoned, who are beaten and tortured for their faith simply because they're believers in Jesus Christ. And so it's just to, to let us know that we are actually in a battle, we're in a spiritual battle, and I really feel like that the persecuted church have this amazing way of putting our own faith journey into perspective, and there is always something that we can learn from them. And so today, uh, I just pray that your heart will be open to learn something from the persecuted church today. I want to start with a story, and this one comes from Sri Lanka. Now, as a part of our COVID-19 relief efforts, we were able to supply 100 Christian families with the food and supplies that they needed because they were suffering from this pandemic. These 100 Christian families, they're daily wage earners, which means they only earn enough today for the food that they're going to eat today. And so with the pandemic, with lockdown, uh, and unable to get food for their families, Open Doors was able to get them the necessary food and supplies that they needed. Now, just a year before we did this, these 100 Christian families were attacked by extremists. So these extremists burst in and they started to attack the Christians. They wanted to force the Christians outside the reason because they didn't want church where they were. They didn't want Christians where they were. So they started to beat them and, and chase them out of the area. And a few of these believers, a handful of them, ended up in hospital, including the pastor and his wife. And so over the, the course of the, the last year, they have been recovering from their, their trauma, from their attacks. Now, we were able to give this food and supplies a year later. Now, what these families decided to do was to split and share their food not only with the surrounding community, but also with their attackers, with those who had just a year beforehand had come in and had terrorized them and, and beat them and, and poured persecution on them. They decided to split and share their food with them. And so these Christian families, they were describing how these extremists were coming up to receive food and supplies from them. Now, just think about this. Just think about the bravery and the courage and the boldness of this. These families, they were attacked simply because they're Christians. But now they're Christians with food. 
and everybody's in the same kind of position. You know, these extremists are looking for food as well as everybody else. And so the Christians decided to, out of courage, but out of a, a sense of love, out of a spirit of love, out of a spirit of forgiveness, told the extremists, yes, we have food and you can come and receive food from us if you would like. And these families were describing how the extremists were coming up to them. Many of them had tears in their eyes. Some of them even apologized for what they had done. And some of them have even become Christians as a result. And I just think that is amazing. I think it's amazing how these Christian families have displayed such an amazing spirit of love and of forgiveness and uh, and so uh, the, the title of my message today is called A Different Spirit. And I believe that the Lord is searching the earth for, for a person or a group of people that have a different spirit. Now this, this phrase, uh, a different spirit, it comes from the book of Numbers and it's chapter 14 I want to have a look at and verse 24. And it says this, But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Now, if you remember in the chapter beforehand, Numbers 13, uh, Moses sent the 12 spies into the promised land and 10 of them came back with a bad report. You know, 10 of them said, look, we can't take this land. There's giants in the land. They've got fortified cities. We look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. You know, we can't take this land. So that they had around them this, this spirit of fear and, and spirit of intimidation. But then Caleb and Joshua stood up and said, you know what? We certainly can take this land. God wouldn't have brought us here for no reason. He is the one that is going to fight our battles for us anyway. This is our promised land. We certainly can take this land. And I love how Caleb and Joshua, they had this spirit of faith instead of a spirit of fear. They, they had this spirit of courage instead of a spirit of concern. They, they had a, a spirit of, of encouragement instead of a spirit of excuses. And so Caleb and Joshua had this different spirit. And I think of our families in Sri Lanka, you know, and I think about our families there. For a start, they had a spirit of faith. They had a spirit of courage. And they had a spirit of generosity and a spirit of love towards those who had attacked them, towards their enemies. I mean, the Bible says that we actually need to, to love our enemies, that we actually need to forgive them and, and show the love of Christ to them. And it's amazing how these families were able to do that. And at Open Doors, we serve and support Christians like that. Christians who live in the most difficult places on earth for the gospel, but yet there they are, choosing to love their enemies, extending the gospel. And so what we do at Open Doors is we help people follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost. And so it's in those toughest places that we're there and we're standing with and supporting, strengthening, and encouraging believers under persecution. And we say to believers under persecution, well, well, what do you need? How can we help? We say this to the church. 
And for a start, they'll say, well, we need Bibles. Can you get us Bibles? And, and Open Doors has always been about getting Bibles into the hands of believers. They'll say, well, we need uh, discipleship and leadership training because our, our pastoral issues are, well, my family is trying to kill me because I'm a Christian. What do I do? We do trauma counseling. We help with orphans and, and widows. And, and we simply help the church to be the church in the toughest places on earth for the gospel. I've got a, a clip that I want to share with you, and it explains a, a bit more about what Open Doors does. Open Doors is positioned on the front lines, standing and strengthening persecuted Christians in countries like North Korea, where it is illegal to own a Bible or your family can be thrown in a prison camp for their beliefs. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. It's time to awaken to the reality of the persecuted church. In 1955, Brother Andrew, a newly committed Christian, began smuggling Bibles into Eastern Europe, behind the Iron Curtain, because he believed that everyone should have the freedom to know Jesus. He was given the scripture, Revelation 3.2, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. Since his first trip, Open Doors has expanded to work around the world, providing Bibles and training for those who need it most. We train leaders in their homeland, so they can be the light of the gospel in the darkest places. In 1981, we delivered one million Bibles to a secluded harbour in China and was described by Time magazine as one of the boldest missionary ventures of all time. 1989, we sent one million New Testament Bibles into Russia and a seven-year prayer campaign for the Soviet Union finished. We are a part of the body of Christ, called to the persecuted church, people of prayer, seeking to live by faith, devoted to Jesus Christ and His call, motivated solely for the glory of God. Open doors. Together, we serve the persecuted church. Such a, a great history there, and, and I love the, the story about the one million Bibles into China. And, uh, and on that night, we, we got those one million Bibles into there. You had people on, on a barge that had the, the 252 one-ton packs of Bibles that they had to offload on a single night on a secluded beach. And, and as the, the barge was coming towards the shoreline uh, on that moonlit night, uh, they saw this patrol boat uh, come in between them and the shoreline. And, and on the, the front of it was mounted a machine gun. And had these guys been seen, uh, of course, they, they would have been shot, especially with the Bibles that they were carrying. And so, but they, they went through unnoticed and offloaded the, the Bibles onto the shoreline. It only took two hours to offload the one million Bibles. And, uh, and I just love that these guys on this ship had a different spirit. They had the spirit of faith and, and of courage. Uh, and in fact, of the, the 20 crew on that ship, three of them were New Zealanders. So uh, just such a great piece of, of New Zealand church history as well. And so uh, Open Doors, uh, as it said in the video, was started by Brother Andrew. He had a different spirit, and he would get Bibles across um, borders in front of armed guards, and, and he would pray what he called the smuggler's prayer. He would pray, Lord Jesus, when you are on earth, you open the eyes of the blind. 
And so I pray now that you would make seeing eyes blind to the Bibles that I'm carrying. And then time and time again, he'll just carry those Bibles across those borders. He even got to the point where he would just have boxes of Bibles next to him on the passenger seat because he knew that the car would be searched anyway. And then, But he would just take those Bibles across and the Lord would carry him through. So Brother Andrew, a man with a different spirit. And so what else does a, a different spirit look like? Well, I, I do want to share with you another story, this time from China, and that is of Wang Mingdao in China. Now, Wang Mingdao has been such a significant part of the underground church in China and has been a part of the rapid church growth in China over decades. So Wang Mingdao was imprisoned for 22 years for his faith in Jesus Christ. So he was sentenced, and then they took him into the prison where they offered him a confession to sign. Now, he had been um, told that, yes, you're going to spend 22 years in prison, um, but if you sign this confession, which simply says, I am not a Christian and I will no longer share my faith with anyone else, if he signed that confession, he would be free to go. Now, I wonder what you and I would do in that situation. Uh, you know, if you're faced with 22 years in prison, you're being sentenced to that. But if you signed a piece of paper renouncing your faith, well, then you'll be free to go. I wonder what we would have done in that situation. I, I think just such a great question to ask ourselves just as a part of our discipleship journey. And, and one thing that I have come to is the, the thought that, you know what? our words have eternal significance, that they do truly put an eternal stake in the ground, and that if we confess Jesus before the world, well then he will uh, confess us before his Father and say, yes, they have a relationship with me. And so Wang Mingdao, in that moment, amazingly, he actually did sign that confession, and he started to walk out of the prison. So he got through the, the first set of gates and he continued to walk out of the prison. He got through to the second set of gates and walked through those and then got through to the last set of gates. And, and if he had walked through that set of gates out onto the road, he would have gone and, and been a, a free man. But he felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit in his heart. He turned around, he walked right back into that prison, back into the same room in front of the same guards, and, and he said, I, I'm not going to sign that confession. Tear it up. I am a Christian, and I will share my faith. And as a result, he spent 22 years in prison. One of the amazing things for me, for a start, is that we can come back to Jesus. You know, if we do make a mistake, you know, if we get something wrong, if, if we do one way or another, um, do things that are against his will, we can always come back and he will always receive us. Praise the Lord for that. But one of the things that Wang Mingdao thought was, well, you know, at least in prison, I can share my faith with those here with me. He, at his heart, he was an evangelist, and he thought, well, at least I can do that. What are they going to do? Throw me in prison? I'm, I'm already here. So he thought, okay, so I'll accept this sentence. But he was heartbroken to discover that they, in fact, for eight years of that time, put him into solitary isolation. 
And so Wang Mingdao, he was there in solitary isolation for those eight years. And, he, and in that place, he just called out to God. You know, he had been so instrumental at building the church. And now there he is by himself. He can't even share the gospel with one other prisoner. As he was calling out to the, to the Lord, he, he just felt so distant from him. But after a short time, uh, Wang Mingdao discovered that the pit toilet in the corner of the cell was actually connected by the sewer pipes to some of the other solitary isolation cells. And he found that his voice could carry through those sewer systems. And so for those next eight years, that pit toilet became his preaching platform. You know, he, he didn't have a church. He didn't have a congregation. He didn't have a, a Bible or, or pen or paper. But what he did do, what he could do, was he could preach down the toilet the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as he preached down the toilet for those eight years, he led 96 people to Christ. And so what an amazing impact Wang Mingdao had during those years in solitary isolation. Man, Wang Mingdao, here is a guy with a different spirit. You know, I just love the fact that Wang Mingdao, he had a spirit of possibilities. You know, I love that, that Wang Mingdao, he, he turned back instead of backing down. He remained faithful instead of renouncing his faith. And he saved souls instead of sitting in silence. You know, Wang Mingdao had the spirit of possibilities. And I'll have a look at our verse again, Numbers 14, 24, which says this, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. And I love how it says, who, who follows me wholeheartedly. And I think that this verse is, is about those, is calling out to us to have a wholehearted devotion to the Lord. You know, I feel like with Wang Mingdao, even though he, he had a moment where he made a mistake, that he actually turned back with wholehearted devotion to the Lord and spent 22 years in that prison for his faith. He had this wholehearted devotion. And the promise is this, that if we are wholehearted in our devotion to the Lord, that he will bring us into our land of promises. That's what he said. He said to Caleb that because Caleb follows me wholeheartedly, because he's got a different spirit, I will bring him into that land he went to. And that was called the land of promises or the promised land. And you know what? Each one of us has got a promised land that the Lord is calling us into. It's the place of promises. And so as we are fully wholehearted in our devotion to the Lord, we can step into the inheritance that the Lord has for us. And as a result, leave a, a legacy for those who are to come. And so I believe that today the Lord is calling us to this place of wholehearted devotion. And, and I just love how the persecuted church is so great at sharing that kind of example to us. What would we have done in that situation? I mean, it's the sort of thing that we don't normally process on a day-to-day -day basis as, as Christians in New Zealand. But I'll tell you this, in countries like China, 
in countries like Eritrea, which I'm about to share about, or, or in Syria or Afghanistan, countries where it can be illegal to be a Christian, I tell you what, there's no lukewarm Christians in those countries. You know, these are ones that have made a decision and uh, encountered the cost of following Jesus. And, and I believe that today that we need to have that, be just be challenged by them in our devotion to the Lord. Is Jesus number one in our life today? I want to share with you one other story, and that is from Helen in Eritrea. And this is a woman with a different spirit. And I want to share with you Helen's story because we got a chance over lockdown to meet Helen in person over Zoom. And, you know, that's one of the things that lockdown has given us. Not that we couldn't do it before, but it just started us to think a bit outside of the box. And we found that we could get hold of uh, Helen and, and just have a, a conversation with her and, and pray for her, pray with her, and just to hear some of her story. So Helen was locked up in a metal shipping container for over two years in Eritrea because she refused to renounce her faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if you remember in Acts chapter 8, you have Saul before he became Paul and he's going from house to house, systematically finding Christians or finding followers of the way, dragging them out of their houses and throwing them into prisons. Now, that is happening in Eritrea at the moment, but the prisons in Eritrea are not like the kind of prisons that, that we would have here in New Zealand, but we're talking about holes in the ground or metal shipping containers or being locked up in the desert for, for days on end. And Helen started to describe just some of her experience. She said it was boiling hot in the daytime. She said it was so hot in the daytime, in the middle of the day, uh, we would grow faint with the heat. She said you, you couldn't touch the sides of the containers or else it would burn your skin. She said boiling hot in the daytime, freezing cold at night. She said bugs would bite my body. And she said, you know, we weren't alone in these containers. We were packed in there. And you had a, a bucket in the corner, which was the toilet, and you had to decide who would sleep or lie down closest to the toilet for the night, who would stand up and who would sleep, because there was so little room in those containers. And daily, on a regular basis, they were taken out, they were beaten, they were tortured, and they were told to renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. And on that daily basis, they had to continue to say yes to Jesus. All they had to do was sign this piece of paper, they're free to go. But all these Christians, they just continued to, and continue to today, endure that kind of beating, that kind of torture, and that kind of harassment for being Christians. Helen said that one of the things that she would do was if ever she found a, a piece of paper and, and something to write with, she would just write on there um, just a, a note, encouraging notes uh, for the other prisoners and, and the other containers. She would write Bible verses or, or songs that she could remember. She would discreetly hand them over to some of the other uh, Christians in the, in the other containers. But the guards, of course, would find the notes that she had written and they'll come in and find her and say, Helen, where is your Bible? And she would say, well, I, I don't have a Bible. And they would say, is it in your head? Yes, it's, it's in my head. 
well, we'll have to beat that out of you then. And so they would beat her and beat her to the ground and tell her to renounce her faith, but she would stay strong before the Lord. She said there was a time when they, they lay down all the, um, the, the women from a container and, and started to, to beat them and, and abuse them and torture them. And, um, and one of the, the women actually put her head up along the line and, and said, uh, today, don't beat Helen. She, she's not going to make it today. You can beat us, you can beat me, but just not Helen. And just think about that. Would you or I in that kind of situation, stand up for one of our brothers or sisters in Christ in that situation and say, you know what, you can, you can beat me, but please don't, don't beat my brother or sister in Christ. I'll tell you what, this is, these are people that have a different spirit, a spirit of, of faith and of courage and of love. You know, we, we know that, that perfect love drives out all fear. And when you love, when you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, well then really it, it, it steps beyond fear and, and you start to offer yourself. Now in that situation, the guards didn't care. They just went ahead and, and just beat them all anyway and threw them back into the cont containers. But Helen did uh, uh, share a, a beating that nearly cost her life. And she said they dragged her out of the container and, and these two men with the black sticks started to beat her. And she said, when you got hit with the black sticks, that it was like they would put fire in your body. And they beat her to the ground and continued to beat her. And, but then in the midst of the beating, she looked up at one of them and said, I don't hate you because I know that you're simply carrying out an order. But I want you to know that I am carrying out an order too. And that's not to renounce Jesus. So continue. Just, just amazing. And so they continued to, to beat her and threw her back into the container again. And as they threw her back into that container again, she started to uh, praise the Lord in that place. She started to, to lift up the name of Jesus and, and just lift a, a hand to the Lord. And I, I can just imagine that hand going up. It's it's broken, uh, covered in blood, a dirty hand, but here's this hand raised in worship to Jesus. And you know what? Actually today, all across the world, there are hands like that raised in worship. And, and I just think of that verse in, in Hebrews 11. It, it, uh, Hebrews 11 is the, the faith chapter and it talks about people of faith. And then it goes through those who have suffered for the gospel and, and some were sawn in two. Uh, and then there's this phrase and it says, and the world was not worthy of them. And I just think, you know, the world was not worthy or is not worthy of Helen. What an amazing testimony. You can actually read her testimony. Her book is called uh, Song of the Nightingale. And the only reason that she got out of those containers was because she had got so sick that, that she was about to die. Her, her body had closed up. She could no longer go to the toilet. And so they, they sent her to a hospital uh, so that they could get her well enough to get her back into the containers again. 
Fortunately, some of her family and some brothers and sisters in Christ heard that she had got into hospital. They busted her out as soon as they could. And on the next plane, they got her out of the country. And so she is safely out of the country now. But she says that it's so hard for her to sleep because we know that there are still about 500 believers in these containers, in these kind of conditions, and some of them have been in there for over 10 years. And so just an extreme way to live out your Christian faith. We know the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and, and he really doesn't care, but Jesus Christ has come to give us life and life abundantly. And we need to be people of strength and of courage and of faith and people that have a different spirit to the spirit that's in the world. And so I believe that the Lord is calling you and me today to be people that have a different spirit, to have uh, love, a spirit of love, even in the midst of loss, to have a spirit of faith in the midst of fear, to have a spirit of courage in the midst of concern and a spirit of boldness, even in the midst of beating when, when life beats us down. And you know what? In the world today, and, and especially with the current pandemic and with the uh, how the uh, governments are going globally and the economy and the environment. You know, there's so many things that, that people are actually nervous about and uh, concerned about. And there's a lot of people that are worried about the future. But I believe as people of Christ, as God's sons and daughters, that we need to be people of a different spirit, that we need to be people of, of faith, of, of hope and expectation and, and have a, a fresh anticipation for what God wants to do. Because you know what? Even in these most difficult places on earth for the gospel, God is building his church. And more people are coming to Christ today than ever before. And some of the fastest growing churches in the world at the moment are in these places where we find some of the, the persecution that I've been talking about. And so what does having a, a different spirit look like today in, in, our, um, in our life and, and in our context? Well, I believe having a different spirit today is having a spirit of forgiveness and a spirit of generosity, just like those families in Sri Lanka. I believe it's having a, a spirit of possibilities like Wang Mingdao in China. And it's having a spirit of endurance and a spirit of praise like Helen from Eritrea. And the, the good news is this, that this different spirit, uh, it, it's not something that we generate on our own. It's actually the Holy Spirit within us. I love the verse from 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So that different spirit is already inside of us. And what it is, is it's a surrender to the Lord. And it's the, the wholeheartedness in our devotion to the Lord. You know, as we read the Word of God on a daily basis, as we praise Him, as we spend time in His presence, as we develop our relationship with the Lord, well then a different spirit continues to be developed in us. And the Holy Spirit will lead us on that day-to-day -day basis. And so, you know, I just love the example of 
the persecuted church and, and just thanks for the opportunity for me to share with you some of the stories of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. And Open Doors does support these believers and we, we pray for them and we give to them. And that's something that you and I can do today. We can pray and I'd love to lead us in prayer uh, at the end of this message. But another thing that we can do is we can give to the work of Open Doors and, and we call it subscribing to the survival of the persecuted church. And so on a monthly basis, you could choose to, to give. And, and I think about some of the subscriptions that we have in our life. It might be uh, our mobile phone subscription or internet, maybe Netflix or Spotify or subscribe to our local coffee shop down the road. How many times a month we go down there? Would you consider today perhaps matching a subscription that we have to subscribe to the survival of the persecuted church? So on screen now, there is a QR code and you can scan that with your phone and it will take you to a place on our website where you can sign up to be a monthly partner with us. And did you know that one in eight Christians globally face persecution? And so it's amazing to be able to partner together to help so many people around the world. And we'll send you updates from the underground church and so it's exciting for me and exciting for us to, to be building a community of believers who will stand with the persecuted church month in, month out, pray with them, give to them, and support and encourage them in those most dangerous places. So to give you a, a, a bit of insight into um, what different amounts do, $7 teaches a child about Jesus, $10 disciples a young person, $20 gets a Bible into the hands of a believer, $50 feeds a family for a month during COVID-19, and $100 helps to rebuild churches. But whatever you give will show you what it is, the impact that you are able to make. And so thanks so much for the opportunity to share here today. I do want to close off in prayer to pray for believers around the world. And in particular, I'd love to pray. I'd love for you to join with me to pray for believers right now in Eritrea, in those metal shipping containers who today, who this very moment are contending for their faith in Jesus' name. So, so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. Lord, and we thank you for our brothers and sisters who are contending for you, who are so strong in their faith. But we pray that today, in this moment, that you would strengthen them. We pray that they would know that they are being prayed for in this moment, that they'll get a sense that somebody is praying for them. Lord God, we're praying that you would bring a, a different spirit upon them, that Holy Spirit, you would rise up within them, give them a spirit of, uh, of love and, and even of joy in that place, because we know the joy of the Lord is our strength. But we do pray that your kingdom would come and your will be done in that place as it is in heaven. So we do declare uh, freedom. We do declare life. We do declare, Lord, your spirit to come and to strengthen and encourage every believer in that place. And I pray that they would shine for you in such a way that their persecutors would see you shining through them. Lord, you, it's your will that none would perish, but that all would come to eternal life. And so we are praying, Lord Jesus, that uh, their persecutors would even see you through them. And we read how Saul became Paul and became uh, such a great apostle. And we pray the same for those soldiers and for those guards, that they would find you. 
And today also we pray, Lord, for ourselves, that you would help us to rise up in that spirit of faith, that spirit of love, that you'd stir that up within us, that we would have a different spirit to the spirit that's in the world. Lord, that we'd have that spirit of faith, that we'd be able to encourage those around us who are a bit fearful or nervous and uncertain about the future, but as your sons and daughters, Lord, we can have faith because we know that you have all things in your control and that we can trust you and live a life that is worthy of the calling that you have given to us. So we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And just so great to be here with you today. Thank you for praying with me. And I believe that we have made such an impact and really made a difference. The Bible says that we need to pray as if we have already received the answer. And I believe that we've made a difference today simply because we prayed for those believers in Eritrea that today will be different for them. And so continue to pray, continue to, to remember our brothers and sisters who are in prisons at the moment, who are suffering for their faith, that you would uh, pray for them and just think about them. And so I pray that this week for you would be amazing. Go ahead and in the power of the Holy Spirit, having a different spirit and looking for ways that you can have an impact in your world, in your situation, in your context and in your community this week. May the Lord bless you.